This is One Heat Minute. Drop of a hat, these guys will rock and roll. What's your name? Wayne Grove. Look like gangbangers working the local 7-Eleven to you. Robbery homicides take me. Give me all you got! Give me all you got! I do what I do best. I take scores. You do what you do best. Trying to stop guys like me. A podcast dedicated to all 170 minutes of Michael Mann's LA crime opus Heat, one minute at a time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to One Heat Minute. I'm your host, Blake Howard, and joining me today is, well, a man who is also part of a crew of thieves, um, did a pretty significant attempted heist of varying levels of success, depending who you talk to. They did that in Middle Earth, though. The man I'm speaking to is Stephen Hunter. He is Bomber from the new Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings trilogy, the Hobbit trilogy, the first three out of their, the sequence of uh, 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 J.R. Tolkien's masterpiece. Sir, thank you so much for being a part of One Heat Minute. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me, man. So uh, I've, I've, you know, what what better? What better to talk to someone who's already an experienced, uh, seasoned uh, wearer of makeup and stealer of things uh, than to talk about Michael Mann's 1995 crime masterpiece, Heat? Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think it's, uh, I think to, you know, to come clean, I was, um, you know, I guess outside the door on top of the mountain um, while it was all going on. Well, no, actually, actually no, no, I, I tell a lie. We, we did spend a bit of time in there, um, you know, being chased by a dragon, etc. What am I saying? We, it was green screen, but you know, you know what I mean. Um, but, but you know, you always need a guy on watch. Steve, don't talk yourself down. You need people to keep an eye. Yeah. This is what we've learned from Michael Mann crime films and, and heists particularly. You need a guy keeping watch and, mm. you know, get get a look in on some infrared cameras if you're in uh, if you're in heat. Um, so, yeah, totally. So, um, Stephen and I are going to dive into a minute of the film. It's awesome that I have him for uh, a minute that a couple of people have now been desperately sort of leading up to, but he's right in the crux of it. It's the 49th minute of heat. So if you're watching your original uh, uh, theatrical release, either DVD or Blu-ray from Warner Brothers, you're going to be seeing it'll say 48 minutes on the clock all the way up to the um, 49.00. And this is the minute. This is the minute where Vincent Hanna, Al Pacino's character, is seemingly following a completely pointless lead. He's already said the amazing line in the last minute, Albert. What's wrong with you? Um, with his brother, <laughs> Richie, played by Tone Loke, um, there, and it appears like this 3 a.m. visit to a subterranean Koreatown basement is going to be completely fruitless. But mm. in the very beginning of the minute that we're about to watch together, Stephen and I, you get the the, the quintessential line, the, the one word, slick, mm. which unlocks mm. the entire movie. So what we're going to do um, is Stephen and I are going to have a quick watch of that minute. You guys are going to listen along, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about it. Right, let's go. Hey, they're telling you, man, this slick is no motherfucking joke, man. You know what I'm saying? Say what? Say what? What? You said slick. What does that mean? Slick. That's what he calls people. Slick. And tell me about him. About six feet tall, a lot of jailhouse tats, got a big-ass peacock right here. What's his name? Chirito. Michael Chirito. 
33 busts since 1976. 11 for armed robbery, three convictions, two out of a three to five year beef in Attica, three years in Marion, five years in Folsom off a knockback to involuntary manslaughter. Jacket's two inches thick. Okay, who do I have there now? Drucker and me, boss, and Schwartz. Tell SIS I want full surveillance. That's 24 hours, round the clock. Day. Steven, go. a great, a great sound. This is, uh, people are going to absolutely get sick of me saying this at the end of this show when it finally does, <laughs> when it finally ends, which is, <laughs> which is, it's a good minute. It's a really good minute. It's a minute that, uh, like, I've been waiting for this minute throughout these mm. scenes going, this is actually a turn, this is a significant turning point in the film. And in some of the other mm. minutes, it's been really lucky because it's a, it's a turning point, but they're not manifesting anything. But this is now mm. finally like, the guys who feel like they can't be touched, they can't be caught. Um, they can might be Wayne Grow coming back to the fold. We don't know how that's going to play out, but the fact that just that one word that seemed like it was going to mm. never go anywhere is the morsel that they grab onto in this. And must I say, as an actor and as a voice voice actor as well, two of the great voices. Oh my God, Tom um, Lowe. And I'm also a child from the '80s. Tom <laughs> Lowe, you know what I'm saying? You know, and and Al, Al. You know, what did you just say? Slick. Oh. <laughs> Tell me about him. Tell me about him. He's like chewing Tell me about him. Chewing, Tell me about him. chewing that gum. Take some time. <laughs> um, you know, oh, like obviously I was a legend. You know that. Um, but yeah, tone like man of the 80s. But it, it is. And it's because, you know, he thinks he's completely wasting his time with these guys. He's been dragged out three in the morning or whatever time it was. And some guy who's trying to get something off him to give some, as he says, some bullshit information. And then all of a sudden this thing this drops and he was walking away as he, as he said it, you know? Um, and he turns on a dime. That's one thing that's so cool about the Pacino performance is that mm. he's walking, he's walking away. He's done. Like he's, he's completely mm. reserved to the fact that it's nothing. And he goes, and just the fact that he goes, this slick ain't no motherfucking joke, man. And just bang, mm. he just turns slick, slick, slick. What's yeah. that mean? What's that mean? Well, there, there was some kind of recognition. For, yeah. So he obviously knew this guy or he's, he's heard his voice before or there's something that he picked up that he, that he knew of. Yeah. So that was a clue. That's all in, you know, guys like this, you know, um, digging and digging and his, yeah, obviously his whole life is dedicated to, to this case. Yeah. You know, everything else falls by the wayside. Everything else turns to custard basically in his life. And this <laughs> is what he's living for. And, you know, so, you know, the, I guess he's very attuned to hearing, you know, little things like that and, you know, picking up accents and picking up voices. Very cool. What's that What's that like as an actor when you're and, – and Tone Loke obviously is coming in, you know, and you don't want to say bit player because you don't want to diminish the mm. role. Like it's really important even though it's only small. But like how important is it for Tone Loke, like the space and the way that Pacino is like literally – and the way that performance is happening. He's like watching every word. He's hanging on his lips. Like how important is that for you when you're playing across from someone when you're sort of in there? Like that, that chemistry that you create with one another for that, that tension, right? It's like I'd be interested to hear your opinion on that like – the space like Pacino creates, he's just hovering there. Like, yeah, well, I, I, I think from the other side of it, you know, he'd obviously be a very generous actor. Yes. You know, he, and he knows, and he knows like any good actor knows that to get a great performance out of someone else, it's not all about you. It's about what you give to the other person and, you know, what, what you can add to their performance, especially when you're not on camera, you know, and, and yes. you're, you're, you're flipping it around. Um, but as far as he's concerned, like Tony Loke's concerned, his character it's really important, you know, that delivery of that line because, you know, sometimes in a role like that you haven't got a huge arc but 
he's in there. And I've, I've had a couple of roles like that. There was a movie I did with Aaron called Killingram. You know, I wasn't a massive part in it, but I was in a couple of very key moments of, of the story. Yeah. And when you're in those key moments, well, you just have to deliver it. And that slick line had to be very clear and concise. And it had to be that, you know, obviously, it was a little bit throwaway. He wasn't trying to plant it on him, but it had to be clear enough that that was a hook for the story, that he was going to pick that up and, and run with it. Um, so, you know, he did that very good because it was obviously very clear to him. Um, you know, to Pacino and also to everyone watching the movie. Are you a fan of this movie? Are you a fan of movies like this? You know, the, these, I mean, Heat's a bit of a strange one. I try and talk to people about because I think it's kind of a genre in and of itself, but it's a, mm. you know, it's a crime movie. It's a gangster movie. Is this a movie that you're familiar with? You dig it? You're a fan? Yeah, totally. I like, and, and it, to be honest, I, I probably only saw it two, three years ago. It was one of those movies that for some reason I never got to see. And I've got a whole list of movies that I never watched <laughs> that I've, you know, you know, if you, I, I subscribe to Empire Magazine and like there's all these lists of movies, the top 500, and I'm just working my way through them. And that was one that was a very late one. And it was, you know, obviously people see it to see, um, you know, Pacino and, uh, and De Niro together. Um, and that was, you know, obviously one of the, the attractions for it. But, um, yeah, like just a, it's a classic. It's it's one of those classics you just got to see movies. And what I love, I think, and this is why uh, I love this exercise is when you're going through it minute by minute, you're, um, I think, on the real movies like those classics that stand the test of time. They do like they you literally can find something to savor in every performance, every key little moment, every little throwaway character, um, mm. and even and in. in in all the scenes that have led up and I sort of um, I, I want to say like clearly like I've loved every every moment of this scene as it weaves into this but mm. and it paves the way you know the interactions the way that he's just completely dismissive of them and I just love like once he actually gets the information and what's so funny is that like Tone Loke because he's not used to this arrangement what I love about the interaction is like he goes got a lot of jailhouse stats got a big ass peacock right here you know da 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 and he's like what's his mm. name well, like I yeah. love that. What's his name? Mm, <laughs> who what's is his like, name? Who That's is all he? I need. Who is he? What is his name? Mm. Michael Chirito. And yeah. and then there's a set like there's a split second where you see Vincent sort of, which is Pacino's character, looking away, and he looks over at um, Albert Ricky Harris for like a mm. split second, and it's like, oh my god, like the pain that you've put me through to drive those hours. This might have actually, like, for a split second, like this might actually be something. This might mm. not completely be a waste of my time. And so, mm. the minute that you see him on the phone in that nightclub, which is even cooler, and you see that crew like really breaking mm. down and starting to like dig into this guy, it's like, oh no, this is the guy. This yeah, well, this, this could be the guy. Well, yeah, and, and like I think this was the break. This, you know, is, yeah. as far as I can remember. I mean, yeah. it was a while since I saw it, but and I've only seen it once. Um, I'm pretty sure you've seen it a couple more times now. Um, <laughs> Just, oh, yeah. But it's, it's interesting what you say about enjoying every minute because, like, I teach as well. Like, I teach acting and, you know, a lot of it's we talk about being a detective as an actor. Yes. Like, what are you doing? And you need to know because you're not instinctively, naturally doing these things and saying these things, you need to know why you do and say every single thing. And it's the same with a film. Like, every minute is there for a reason. And if it's not there for a reason to forward the story or to, you know, develop or to uncover something about the character, then you have to question why it's still in the film. And if it's not needed, 
it gets cut. And that's obviously why so much stuff gets left on the cutting room floor. I mean, some people panic about the, the you know, it, it could be like a censorship thing. It could be a, a pace thing sometimes. It could be mm. just the fact that they can't sell a movie that's, you know, I mean, a lot of sci-fis and that, you know, they you, you see them coming around about 100, under 100 minutes, you know, because any longer than that's just too long. There's not enough in them. Yes. So, yeah, like every single minute is, there is something going on. I think it's a, it's a good thing for an actor to look at um, and especially if you're prepping for a role, it's like what's happening in this single moment, every single moment, and then break those moments into smaller moments. Because if you don't know why and the importance of it, then you need to find out. <laughs> well, what, what's funny is um, I was really lucky, and it's going to come in. A, it's in a forthcoming episode um, mm. of One Heat Minute. It hasn't aired completely yet. Um, mm. The amazing editor of Heat, Pasquale Buba, one of the editors, mm. um, joined me um, on on one heat minute to talk about he came on for the 152nd minute so whoa um because that was i asked him which minute he wanted to talk about and that's the minute he gave me so of course when you've got a legend like that it's like i'll take whatever you yes sir yeah (laughs) and it was really interesting because the minute that he chose there was an amazing exchange between diane venora and al pacino's character later Mm. in the film Mm. um but he talked about this minute in the in the arc, and I want to jump on what you said, which is about pace. He talked about mm. this minute and 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 this scene being one of the ones they had a lot of, um, they did a lot of editing work to make the pace mm. right because it has you know we're now in the forty ninth minute of the film and the break mm. hasn't come, mm. you know, which is like if you're looking at a normal sort of hour and a half. We would have had the break by now, surely. We're heading mm, into mm. Some, something more significant, but Heat is a bit of a sprawling opus mm. of the narrative, so it takes more time. And they talk about this, and so that's why I love these minutes as well because what's remaining, it's just loaded. Like the few minutes that you have in this scene which leads to the big break is just mm. packed to the rafters with all those things you say. You've got character movement going forward. You're learning a lot about Incent. You're learning so much about his life. Like you said, the rest of his <laughs> I love the line. You, you, the rest of his life has turned to custard because literally it has. Like he's, mm. he's got nothing else mm. going for him. But three mm. o'clock in the morning, you're learning about his method, his the, the method to his madness, what he has to do to execute as a as a great detective. And then when he gets the break, it's like it, it, there is finally for him at least. You know, we're fifty minutes into a movie ish. Um, he's finally getting some relief because it's basically mm. just been all Macaulay's crew and how good they are and staying that mm. one step ahead this whole time. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty enthralling. Um, it's interesting, like talking about pace and off, off subject a bit. I was watching um, Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon, A Trip to Italy, yes, which is just the funniest thing. And in, in the trip to Italy, um, uh, Rob Brydon gets an audition for a Michael Mann movie he does. as like as a mafia accountant, <laughs> which he gets. He actually lands it. But and you talk about pacing there because that whole thing, you look at it and it looks like it, obviously, just like a a fly on the wall documentary. And it looks like there's three or four cameras around them at the same time. It's just flowing. It's just meant to be all ad lib, ad hoc, yes. you know, um, uh, dialogue. But obviously it isn't because they don't. Because if you look at the angles, they, they haven't got all these cameras set at the same time. No. But it looks as though it's just a, a single take. Yes. And that editing is just seamless. The pace is seamless. You know, yeah. and that's, you know, for different genres, it's different things. I mean, you know, sometimes you can do, you know, uh, some movies are just like epic um, when it comes to, um, like scenery, like you look at the, um, you know, the Revenant and stuff like that, and it's you know very epic with the scenery and his action as well. Or I flicked on the other day, they had Lawrence of Arabia, and just you know, for the time, David Lean, just just, just yeah. it's just stunning. And it's like I did a short film in um, 
in um, up in East Kimberley a couple of years ago called Messiah with David Galpalil. And basically the East Kimberley was the, was the lead role because they use they just use and they take the time and they use that. And you find that with you know shows like especially like Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, which has continued, they really it's it's a very cinematic. And that's a style. And then something like Heat is a completely different style. And then something that's a bit more like a mockumentary is, a, is another style. And, you know, it, it teaches you a lot about, you know, about how important editing can be in those circumstances. And it's really like I, I love what you said about uh, the different styles for whatever the purpose is. So the real class mm. and the real – and I, I, I personally adore Trip to Italy and I love that he rehearses <clears> for a Michael Mann movie. It's one of my – and probably one of my favorite comedies <laughs> of all time. I love it. And I, and I love how pissed off Steve is with Rob that he's getting an audition for a Michael Mann oh, movie. Oh, yeah. It makes it uh, – it just sings. I could watch those scenes over and over My favorite line from that, um, <laughs> where do you stand on Michael, Bu Michael Bublé? His windpipe. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, just, it was one of those laugh out loud moments and the, when they were doing the batman they were oh, trying to you know because they, were, they right. do their michael they michael kane uh, off it's just unbelievable no it's it yeah oh, you're talking you're you are speaking my language right now <laughs> but what, what's what's great though is um that that it shows a real like and i, I love stylistically what michael Mann does in this because right now like i've got it paused and so, you know, sometimes the, the listeners at home will pause along. But if you go mm. to 48 minutes, 17 seconds, which is what I'm paused on in this very minute, I'm going to, um, you know, Stephen and I are talking over Skype, guys. So he's going to check it out as well. Just he'll see it mm. on my screen. But it's mm. this very brown, organic, claustrophobic sort of dub shared close up, if you like, where mm. Tone Loke, even though Tone Loke is really crisp and he's in the right of frame, pitch. Mm. Everything is about Pacino's facial expression. So you've got this mm. really massive canvas of two faces sort of huddled against each other. But then mm. when, when you get to the later, the latter parts of the minute, I'm just going to, um, the, the latter parts of the minute, and you get to Pacino by himself, there's this great over-the-shoulder shot, 48, mm. 48 minutes, 39 seconds, looking into the city. It feels like it's looking into the city, like he's talking on the phone. Mm. He's there. And then there's a completely different cluster of bodies. You get to the next couple, like the final seconds as the minutes close out, as we get introduced to the guys. And it's literally when it, when the minutes there, 48 minutes, 47 seconds, you've got Casals, you've got Bosco, you've got, um, McKelty Williamson's Drucker. So you've got, uh, obviously Wes Studi, <coughs> Ted, um, Ted Levine before we get mm. to Jerry Black's Schwartz. And they're all in the middle of the scene. They're all squashed together, but you're in a mm. very wide shot of all these mm. computers. You're setting the scene that they're in the office still, you know, burning the crazy midnight oil. They've probably been working for 48 hours straight at this point. But those guys are all there. So it's cool about the style of even a different moment in the film that it takes a stylistic shift. We're all claustrophobic. Mm. We're in the nightclub. We're trying to stay close. He's he's looking at, he's reading the lips of Tone Loke's character. Um, mm. um, he's, he's listening to every word so that he can be like, okay, what's happening? What's, what, you know, what, what do I need to know about this next, this next, uh, this potential mm. clue that's going to come out? And then when the boys are all there, it's just that they're all huddled around a phone. They're hearing his voice. They're doing the same thing, but they're in a much bigger vacuum. You know, they're the only guys mm. that are at work. So I love yeah, that. Yeah. I love that flip, that flip of those styles there. Mm, mm. Are you a fan of uh, Ted Levine? Do you like your Ted Levines? Do you like your McKelty Williamson's, your West Studies? Ted Levine, obviously, from uh, um, Silence of the Lambs is probably his most famous role. Where's Studi, oh. Last of the Mohicans? And then uh, yeah, uh, yeah. and, and then uh, McKelty Williamson played Don King in Ali. 
I love him. Oh he's, yeah, he's, yeah, he's yeah. phenomenal, phenomenal. Yeah, that, yeah, that was pretty cool. That that was uh, that was pretty epic. Yeah, I remember that. Um, I like. I, I mean, to me, seeing Tone Loke in there was was uh, that was a that was a highlight. Just listening because it was only a, a year be- uh, beforehand. He was in um, uh, with Jim Carrey, wasn't he? With um, Ace Ventura. Ace. Yeah, he is. He's. It was only. It was only a year before. Yeah, it was a year before. What's funny is Michael Mann got two sort of under what we'd like. Would you call them cult? Like you'd say probably Tone Loke's like a cult figure as a rapper at mm. the time, mm. um, hip hop star. And then he had mm. Henry Rollins, who's the cult punk star, who he plays. Uh, he plays a character in this called. Um, oh my god! I've just completely lost his name because my brain is swirling with heat facts. Um, uh, <laughs> Hugh Benny is the character that he plays. But like when you're watching films like this, does it like, do you think that the directors when they're choosing like a rapper or someone like that to come in, is that just all about that trying to add a flavor to it? Is that, is that what you've seen in your career? And when you're thinking about some of these things that, you know, um, you know, you're casting something small or you're being a part of something when someone's coming in, they're trying to add that flavor. Oh, look, it can be that. I mean, I think directors go for the, a lot of the same people. Um, you know, you look at Richard Linklater and he, you know Ethan Hawke, um, always you know being being cast and, and those things. Um, Tim Burton um, and Helen Bonham Carter. I mean, obviously they're married, but I mean, they, you know, <laughs> they always have their go-to people. Yes. Um, but you know, sometimes it's just sometimes it's studios. They just want to put a name that they want some sort of hook in there. I mean, yeah. if you got Al Pacino and Robert De Niro, you probably don't need to have a hook with Tone Loke. There's no. Um, there's no. Hook. No, but. No, but but he's also like he, he's an interesting character. And he's got an amazing voice, and I guess back then he was very well known. So it all helps, you know. Um, you know, it's sort of the same with LL Cool J and, and Ice Cube and stuff like that. It you know, helps with your stuff. your hundred. What, what I think it was like, I can't remember if it was sixty or a hundred, like you know, sixty million dollar mm-hmm. budget at the time, and they yeah. they're just like, no, we're casting Robert De Niro and Al Pacino, and that's it. That's who yeah. we're casting. <laughs> that's who we're casting, and that's who yeah. will be in this movie. And we'll exactly, and that. And it, it's very hard to break through to that. I mean, I've, you know, I've been reading the, um, you know, like the, the, the Raging Bulls and um, Easy Riders and Raging Bulls, and then there's the, yes. the, you know, the, the, then the sequel of that. And just talking about all these guys that did their own movies, you know, like you know, Kevin Smith and, um, you know, Tarantino, and then like Damon and, uh, like Matt Damon and um, Ben Affleck, and, you know, everyone they shot their movie to, Goodwill Hunting, they were all going, oh, we, we're going to get, um, we're going to get Leo to play it. Yeah. You know, um, oh, yeah, Leo and Brad, Brad Leo. Everyone goes, Brad Leo, Brad Leo, Brad Leo. <laughs> and it was, I think it was Castle Rock. It was, um, I can't remember who it was. It could, it could have been Rob Reiner. He goes, oh, yeah, obviously, you know, obviously, you know, we'll get these guys. That's even better. And, um, yeah, that, they're always looking for that, for that name, you know, for that name. And there's like, you know, you could write a book of all the names that people wanted to, to do in different movies. Um, I mean, Sean Connery was originally offered like twenty percent of the gross or something for Lord of the Rings, or ten or twenty percent of the gross. And he turned it down. Didn't understand it. It was stupid. <laughs> yeah, to be Gandalf. To be Gandalf, he's like, nah, yeah. nah, nah I'm I don't good. do that. Nah, I don't do that. I'm good. I'm Thank good. goodness. How good's Ian? Ian? Coolest man in the whole world. Ian is. Ian, Ian McKellen. Coolest Ian man is one of the is one of the coolest men in the whole world. And it was. Really, I mean, he could be in Heat and be cool. I reckon. Yeah. Oh, I'm trying to think where he would slot. <laughs> I'm trying to think where he'd slot. I don't, yeah. I, I'd like to think a young Ian McKellen would play a, val, a mean Kilmer, like a really. Yes. He'd, he'd be a like young Ian yes. McKellen with the with the with the jaw and with the, the mm. swagger. 
and that's mm. sort of that met he can just really get menacing you know i think he would just yeah st- we could do that yeah he, he 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 could he could stare you um he could stare you down what i was gonna say is for heat actually um so we're paused on like 48 minutes 47 seconds mm. we're just talking ted levine ted levine in this movie was actually michael mann said to him oh do you want to be wayne Grove? So, um, yeah. the guy in the crew who sort of runs away, um, who, who's, who's causing mischief off, off camera as we speak, um, mm. do, do you want to be Wayne Grove, which it was ended up casting Kevin Gage and, and Ted Levine uh, around this time had done silence of the lambs and was like, mm. I just don't want to be the guy that ev- like the, the every villain guy. Like, so give me mm-hmm. something random. Give me, cause he's a really, mm. obviously a terrific character. He's like, just give me something mm. else in the film. Mm. So he played a cop. Um, then the other interesting one was, so Dove Honig, who's one of the editors with Pascal Buber on this movie was editing Batman forever. And Val Kilmer mm. came from Batman forever straight off as Batman straight into heat as Christian Hellas. Mm. And so mm. at the time there was a question mark on whether he could be in the movie and Keanu Reeves was being looked at for the Christian Hellas character. So, mm. Because at the time, Keanu was blowing up, you know, speed mm. and point break were all there. So, you know, mm. he was a name hat in the pool. But like you said, Val Kilmer, he was a Warner Brothers dude at the time, just done uh, the doors and done, <laughs> done the doors and doing this. And so, you know, they were like, nope, he's coming in to play as long. So he's getting third third lead in this movie. Batman's coming straight across to an LA Dude, story. you should do one doors minute, man. <laughs> no, I could <laughs> An Oliver Stone minute show, while amazing. Would really require, <laughs> would really require some significant, um, uh, uh, significant uh, medicinal assistance with LSD and and things like that, which I don't well, think it, is legal. It'd be a good Australia. stepping stone. It'd be a good stepping stone to a one Kubrick minute. One, yeah. Look, two thousand and one. The Shining. Two thousand one. Shining minute. Minutes. A space <laughs> odyssey. No, I will look. I, I'm. See. I, I hope in five it, years when you finish this, you can have a look at it. This will be nearly. This might be two years, but if um, <laughs> what I would say is, a few people have asked, and so mm. a few people have asked what's next in the minutes, and so mm. first I'll say everyone pump your brakes because it's one heat minute. This is the show. This is the, yeah, right. this is my life. <laughs> um, number one. But it, two, it's one, an obvious question, though, isn't it? I mean, it is, it is an obvious question. Yeah, what happens after heat ends? And I'm like, guys, yeah. we're only 49 minutes in. We have a hundred and like 30, 120 odd minutes to go. Um, so we've still got plenty of time, and we're only just, you know, we, Stephen and I now in this minute are just talking about the turning point, the actual, mm. the opening up of this entire film. But yeah, look, I, I wouldn't have a clue of what I would do next as far as a minute film. But I'm such a Michael Mann fan that, um, mm. that you know, I immediately my gut would say, well, would, wouldn't more Michael Mann make sense? But who who knows? Maybe as I get closer, maybe as I get closer mm. to the end of One Heat Minute, I'll even entertain slightly what could be next. I don't, I don't think it could be. If you had a choice... And, and obviously there's enough man to go around. There is enough. Yeah, we've got, you know, we've got The Insider. That's probably my second mm. favourite. Miami Vice, mm. is, I think, is an underrated masterpiece. Mm. Um, Ali, Last of the Mohicans, Thief... Mm. Jimmy Khan mm. and Thief, holy shamali, he was so skinny. I think he's wearing size twenty six jeans. He's the skinniest man alive mm. in that movie. Um, yeah, lots to talk about. Lots to talk like lot, lots of films. But I think there's not too many films. My experience with Heat, and this may is absolutely complete bias, but I don't think too many films stand up to what you said, Stephen, with, right at the beginning, which is if <clears throat> there are plenty of minutes that are 
that don't do what you gave those rules about. If it's not making mm. the character go forward and if it's not developing the story or if it's not helping propel something, even if it's important, as you talked about mm. um, for yourself in Killing Ground, like coming in and being really key for very short, definitive bursts, if you're mm. not doing that, then you know it needs to be cut. And I think in mm. Heat, like there's plenty of films that I've viewed and I'm like, this could shave 30 minutes off, you know, it doesn't, mm. there's so much that's happening that seems incongruous. You don't need it. But, um, but yeah, like that's one thing that I think that heat stands the test of time. Mm. You're in a, awesome. you're a guy who's in a nine, nine hour epic essentially, right? Yeah. That, that's, that's the regular versions, the extended <laughs> versions. It's even longer. I played my partner the very first um, ones. She goes, look, if you're going to start doing these movies, I better watch Lord of the Rings. She'd never seen them. And we we just arrived in Wellington. So I got her a copy. And she was at the end of it. She goes, "My God, that was long." I said, "That was Discounted Movie One." Darling, <laughs> suck it up, suck it up, <laughs> buckle yeah. up. You're on to the next one. Yeah, they that's were a long. different style. That's a completely different mm. style. But you got so many characters. How many speaking mm. characters in Lord of the Rings? Oh my oh, God! In, in, in not as many, just, but just even in the, the Hobbit, Hobbit. Is, there's probably more. Yeah, just in the Hobbit, your there's, crew. What there's yeah. like, there's there's thirteen, but there's two of us don't speak. So um, yeah, so Bipper well, speaks. Biffa speaks um, Dwarvish, and I have a couple of lines in the extended cut of Return of the King. Two lines, that was it. And I went all day, and that was, I got those at the lunch break of my very last day of pickups. <laughs> I was almost disappointed. I was like, oh, I thought, you know, I was actually quite happy. I didn't have anything to say. I didn't think I needed it. But, Did, no, I, don't, I, I definitely, there's plenty of characters that could use less lines you just sit there yeah. to convey things along still memorable yeah. you're actually mm. bomber's like that one of the only ones i remember in in the mm. Hob- in the hobbit films um you, all the guys started getting sexy like getting nicknames like oh there's the sexy dwarf mm. um there's the <laughs> there's the um and then started started getting those things and then uh, now after you know your lovely co-star richard armitage starred as red dragon um mm. in the in the hannibal series i can't ever look at him now in the hobbit movies and think of thorin anymore i just keep thinking of red dragon so um mm-hmm. that's uh, um that's the case did you enjoy i have to ask because you know you're you're around at this time have you seen black panther yet and did you enjoy yes. if, you, if you did did you enjoy watching martin freeman um and andy circus across from one another again that was so cool seeing those two boys back together again you know and it's that's, I'm, that's so, Lord I'm, of the I'm so glad heat moment that's yeah. your heat moment because you know like I, I don't think people maybe they do realize but they don't you know how talented Andy Circus is and how like incredibly hard working I mean not because it's you know he does but he does a lot of performance capture and people think oh you know it's like animation or CGI but it's it's not it's it, it captures his acting performance it's basically digital makeup and to see him playing that role that south african he was just like unrecognizable it like in that character he bulked up and he's a fit guy but that was incredible and to see him and martin and it for it took me a while going oh 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 it's it's the boys again yeah you know having their little moments because you know the last time they did that was basically the first two weeks of hobbit production the very first two weeks they shot out the whole cave scene um, with the riddles, and they did that. And then Andy was you know, the second unit director, so they worked together on that, and that was it. But Martin was great in that, and I, I really enjoyed Black Panther. It was, it was. I was in New Zealand seeing a, a very close mate of mine, and you know, took took him out to the movies, and um, yeah, it was it was very entertaining. I thought it was awesome. I love Michael B. Jordan, and I thought he was great. He is great. Yeah, and I was, and mm. and like I, I actually said in my review, I was talking like 
the, the equivalent of saying Martin Freeman and Andy Serkis together in Black Panther talking across from one another for Lord mm. of the Rings fans is like what Godfather fans have with Heat in the conversation with Pacino and De Niro. So you, you, yeah, you've got yeah. so much history with those two guys doing very specific things that it's really nice to like, ah, uh, oh, look, look at them. There they are acting across from each other. I bet they're having an absolute ball not being in, you know, with large feet and curls or doing any green screen stuff or in a, in a tight um, blue suit or whatever, a green suit. Yeah, I think and pretty much the only two white guys in the movie. Yeah, the Tolkien white guys, as someone uh, as the, someone the Tolkien called, white guys. The Tolkien ah! white guys. <laughs> no, that was awesome, man. and I'm I'm glad it's done so well. Like it's done, it's it's in the top twenty of all time already. Yeah. Um. So it's it's just hit like one point one million. Um. Yeah. So yeah, well done, well done, man. Stephen, thank you so much for coming and being a part of One Heat Minute and this madness. Where can folks who are listening to you find you if they want to? say hi and uh, praise you with uh, their Lord of the Rings love or to talk to you more about awesome films that you're catching up on. Cause I think that that's one thing you picked up. You've got a great couple of lists that you're following. I think you're going to probably get some more recommendations if uh, from the, the Twitter sphere. So where's the best places to find you? Uh, yeah, no, I'll give you my address. Come around anytime for a cup of tea. Uh, no, uh, well, I've got uh, uh, Twitter is uh, Stephen J Hunter one. Um, Instagram, Stephen J Hunter one. I just, you know, put up random pictures of bits and bobs. I've got uh, Stephen Hunter YouTube channel, and I've got like a, a video uh, interviews called Actors Talk About Themselves, and I've interviewed a lot of my Hobbit buddies on that. So there's a bit of that going on. I'm also on Patreon as well. On I think it's Stephen Hunter on my Patreon page. So and I'm, I'm going to be ripping into a few different podcasts. So I'm, I've started to write um, like a podcast. Uh, and it's, it's going to be like, like a sort of comedy, but like a, a scripted one, um, like the old days radio plays. So that, that's, that's the kind of stuff I'm, I'm uh, about to head into. Awesome. Well, guys, yeah. what I will do when I post this episode on the One Heat Minute page, you'll see links to all of those places that Stephen talked about. And if he's got any of his other links there for his website and whatever, where you can find his eventual scripted podcast, which I'm dying to listen to because... Mm. Um, we did talk about his favorite line, where do you stand on Michael Bublé, his, his windpipe uh, from the trip to Italy. Um, so thank you so much for being a part of the show. Thank you to Aaron Glenane, because I know that Stephen mentioned his name. Aaron Glenane, friend, friend of One Heat Minute, a fr- acting friend of mine who's um, absolutely killing it in the Picnic at Hanging Rock series that is just out at the moment. So thank you. Was well, that out already? Ooh, I've yeah, watched that. On the Foxtel. Yeah. He, he will be uh, uh, joining us on the show soon. Thank you to Stephen so much for being a part of it. Guys, thank you so much for listening to One Heat Minute. Thank you to Paul Davies for our music, Garth Franklin for our web design. But most of all, thank you to you guys for, for following along, and we'll be back soon with more One Heat Minute. Thanks, Stephen.